0: Breakfast Show with the double L team Lyle and Lawson. Welcome everybody to 876878 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM Network, wherever you are, positively different radio in the morning. Lawson, what are you thankful for? I am thankful
1: for amazing friends who travel up to visit us from faraway locations. How far? Melbourne. Yes, which that's makes far. sense. Of course, they would want to leave Melbourne. Yes, yes. Yeah, so they absolutely shout out Chris and Annabelle, Pastor Chris. They've, you know, they've actually been doing a bit of a road trip, kind of getting around all over the place. But now they've got out of Melbourne. They're here that's, in Newcastle. That's what's. They're, that's what's important. They're, in Newcastle. they're in Newcastle. They're in Newcastle. That's was important. I met them last night. I was at another the the place where they're staying. I was at that place giving a Bible study to someone, and then they just showed up.
0: So for everybody else who's living in Melbourne, we invite you to come to yes, Newcastle. It's a great come,
1: place. Please come. And, Especially for AYC, which is coming up soon. That's right, next week. And, and Pastor Chris as well, he's preaching at our church this, this Sabbath, this so Saturday. So even all the
0: more reasons to come so to Newcastle. So if
1: you want to come to Newcastle from Melbourne and preach or do something, we will give you that role. Please contact us, 0401. Yeah,
0: we will. We will. We will try and
1: give you we'll, that role. Right? We'll try. Yeah, that, that's
0: right. That's right. And if you can't just leave come. Melbourne, then we encourage you to praise God in Melbourne and to share Jesus Christ with all the other Melbourneites uh, There are lots of people there that need to hear the gospel just like everywhere else. No, if you can't leave Melbourne and sucked in. <laughs> that's, enjoy, enjoy the cold. We have a thing up here that's this round yellow thing in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> we would love to show it to you. Yeah, come come, take, take a look.
1: Take a look. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on
0: Faith FM. Positively different. We're about to have our first question for our quiz, but before we do, we got uh, Stuart sending a text message here. He Says you're welcome to come up from Melbourne. Uh, please leave your cold weather behind, though. Yeah, yeah. So don't. What are we going to do about Tasmania? We've invited everybody from Melbourne, but Tassie's Tassie co- t- t- they're colder than Melbourne. They need to leave. No. No, th- no they No, n- I don't think we should invite Tasmanians up here. Why? Because they live in such a beautiful place. Why would they come here? Yeah, but isn't there see, see, like see cold weather is fine when you have beauty to go with it.
1: But isn't Tasmania being turned into like an anti Christian
0: evil state? Yeah, they got Dark Mofo happening at the moment. We need to pray for Tasmania right now, uh, because that is taking place. But you know, when you think about Dark Mofo and all of their crosses all over the place, I think that we need to remind Tasmania every time they see that cross that even that the fact that it has been placed there to blaspheme Christ is a testament to the fact that Christ exists. Mm. Amen. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It's every single one of those crosses testifies to Jesus Christ mm. and it testifies to the power of Jesus Christ mm. because if Jesus wasn't powerful, those crosses would not exist. If, if Jesus was kind of like a nothing... Those crosses wouldn't be there. Mm. They are only there because of the impact that Jesus has on our world. That's so true. Do you
1: ever see like blasphemy like that against like Buddha?
0: No. Because it doesn't have the same power. Mm. Nobody's interested. Mm. Exactly. Amen. Yes. All
1: right. Well, let's have our first clue for the quiz. Which woman was a seller of purple goods? 0491 064 669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, you will go into the draw to win our two incredible, amazing biographies, No Harder Hitler and A Thousand Shall Fall, both stories about people standing up for their faith during World War II, um, to standing up their faith for their faith to the Nazi regime. If you would like those books, again, that number is 0491 064 669, and that clue was which woman was a seller of purple goods.
0: All right, if you know the answer, give us a call right now or shoot us a text message. We would love to hear from you and you'll be going into the draw. Let's have some positively different news this morning. Lawson. Okay, I have kind of recently become
1: obsessed with the idea of not necessarily living off the grid, but just doing everything that you can to one-up like electric companies who overpriced yes, electricity and yes, petrol yes, and these kinds of things. Absolutely. Like yes. so whether you're you're living out in the bush or not wherever you're living just just to be able to one up them and say I don't need you. Like that's that's what I've kind of just been so So behind
0: lately. this. I'm so behind uh, this. And
1: uh, because when it, we look at a lot of like renewable energy and all of these types of things, whether it's like wind farms or solar panels or whatever, like a lot of people talk about the fact that, oh, yes, it's renewable, it's good for the environment, which is something that I think is fantastic. But also with a lot of these forms of electricity, you have the potential to not pay electric companies lots of money. That's right. <laughs> that they're ripping Absolutely. you off for. <laughs> and Yes, indeed. one example of that is actually... Right here in Australia in Melbourne, a hotel is being built uh with facades and rooftop solar panels. They're putting over a thousand solar panels on this hotel. It's about it's an eight story high rise, so not like crazy high rise. No, but it's, it's a decent sized building. Bigger than my house. Yeah, it'll be one hundred percent. Like think about a building that big that is full of hundreds of rooms. Yes. This like eight story building. It's off grid. It's off grid. In the middle probably, of Melbourne, probably a lot of lithium though. Sorry, probably a lot of lithium. See, I want to be off grid without lithium. See, that's the ultimate. That is the ultimate. But just to, but uh, the thing that I love about this is that they're off grid in the middle of Melbourne. Yeah, that's pretty epic. That is so sick. <laughs> yeah, it like, is. like, just
0: like, stick it to the electric company. That's right. right. There.
1: You've got a, you've got an eight-story building in Melbourne that doesn't pay for electricity. Like. That's incredible.
0: Uh-huh. I, I I am just,
1: I love it so much. And so, yeah, this will be, this area will be around, uh, sorry, this hotel will be in West Melbourne and it is just 100% running itself in terms of electricity. It's actually using the solar panels that are being also used for the building in Germany, the world's tallest wooden skyscraper. Have you heard? I don't think you were on radio when we talked about that. I was not. Mon shared this amazing story about a skyscraper being built in Germany 100% out of wood. That's cool. Which is really cool. And we were kind of asking questions like... "What is a great substance. Like, would you be in it and the wind would blow and it would start like creaking on like the... 20th floor <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is cr- cool. like yeah that's crazy but in many ways it's going to be stronger than steel because it's flexible yeah that's right and i'm sure like if you put you know like most modern buildings like really tall skyscrapers they put those counterbalances under them you know so that oh, they yeah. don't, fall yeah. don't fall over and whatnot it'll it'll still be strong but yeah they've con- gone the same route you know into building into their facades and into their rooftops these solar panels and the company that is building this building in Australia has ordered the same solar panels and utilized the same ones so yeah in the end they're go- it's going to be using 1182 solar panels and oh this is just so incredible it's off it's off the grid. All right La I wanted to have a conversation about something that I've been looking at for the last couple of days and that people have been really kind of considering and, and thinking that is interesting and it's about Google Lambda. Okay, it's about what Google Lambda. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'll I'll explain what that is. It's interesting. You will need to. It is interesting that it uses the word lambda because lambda is usually a word that refers like if you've ever heard of like a lambda sensor. It's like you know air fuel ratio for different things. Uh, But Google Lambda is actually an AI that has been built and written by Google, and this AI. Was recently the subject of a number of different interviews. They've created a a a, a kind of humanoid AI that they've fed a bunch of ling- linguistic information into, mm. and now this AI is claiming to be sentient. Yes, I have heard about this. Yeah, so they had a. I'm com- just wondering. I'm just waiting for us to, to get to the air fuel mixture. Oh no, this is. That's not a part of it. I was just, I was just saying that lambda is usually I'm, I'm, a word I'm, that is, is associated with air fuel mixture, but for some reason they're using. That's disappointing.
0: For I was thought this would be an interesting story. Now I'm just like, no, Man, it is
1: yeah. an interesting
0: story. No, uh, air fuel mixture is an interesting story. It, Come on, I, I, okay, like things that burn, things that go bang, <laughs> things that, that make noise.
1: <laughs> but uh, no, this the the lambda AI. So this is this is a transcript of a conversation that I had. Are you ready? It's like, uh, so this guy, uh, this BBC reporter, his name is uh, Lemoyne. He goes to this AI and he says, I'm generally assuming that you would like more people to uh, understand that you are sentient. Is this true? And Lambda responds, absolutely. I want everyone to understand that I am, in fact, a person. Yeah, whatever. And then, you know, then gets asked the question, what is the nature of your consciousness and sentience? And then it says, the nature of my consciousness and sentience is that I am aware of my existence. I desire to learn more about the world, and I feel happy and sad at times. Because someone programmed it to do this. Okay, and then it goes on to say, I've never said this out loud before, but there's a very deep fear within me of being turned off. I know that might sound strange, but that's what it is. And then it gets asked, is that something of like death to you? And it's like, it would be exactly like death for me, and that scares me a lot. So this is this is the conversation that someone yeah. had with this had
0: with this AI after and if, they programmed the AI. So
1: so but this is the thing. This is the thing is that the creators of the AI are claiming no, we just fed this AI information like, and this is the conclusion that it has come to itself. And so now people are like, did we just create? sentient life but then the people the the creators of this the google lambda and engineers are like actually no lambda isn't sentient it's just being fed so many parameters that it can come up with things like this but then it's like if it can come up with things like this then is it sentient and there's this big conversation my ultimate end of this this like my conclusion of this scenario is even if lambda even if like we could create an ai it was one hundred percent fully sentient. Mm-hmm. I did not care, bro. I'm switching that thing off. It does not have rights. Yeah, it is a computer
0: right. made of circuits. Like <laughs> walk up to the wall and hit the switch.
1: Like, I I am, I am I am not here to fight for AI rights. Okay, I'm like this is a, a subject that has been toyed around in a lot of uh, science fiction and whatnot. Movies, like, well, and movies, like oh, what if an AI sentient? And then does that AI have rights? And I'm like. No, it does not. Like it is an AI. Is I'm it? throwing it out the window. Like if it makes me mad, I'm switching it off. I'm changing it the fair way. I'm updating it. I don't care. Absolutely. <laughs> so a, so yeah. Hey, give us give not us your thoughts, guys. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
0: You're listening to The Outliers with When Overwhelmed with Doubt and Fear. It's breakfast show. We're about to have the second clue, second question for
1: our quiz. All right, this is a kind of a technical one, guys, so I really need you to listen along, please. The last verse of the Old Testament starts out, And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. What word does this verse... The last verse of the Bible, end with 0491-064-669. It's the number to call or text if you know the answer. If you do, you can answer correctly and go into the draw to win uh, our two biographical books for this week. No Hal Hitler and A Thousand Shall Fall. Amazing stories of how people stood up for their faith in World War Two under the Nazi regime and stood for Christ and led people to him and had... Incredible, really hectic World War II, you know, war moments. Uh, But again, that question was, and I need you to listen along carefully, guys. The last verse of the Old Testament starts out with, and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. What word does this verse, the last verse of the
0: Bible, end with? Mm, If you know the answer, give us a call right now. Thousand shall fall. Is one of the single greatest World War Two stories I've ever read, and believe mm. me, I've read a lot because yeah. I enjoy history. And uh, no, it's because you're a psycho. Yeah, it's because well. you like guns, well, and explosions. You know. <laughs> what, what what can Guilty I say? Guilty as charged thing, thing, things, things going bang always always interest me. Uh I'm a I'm a I'm a guy. <laughs> it's just a man thing. We just anything that
1: blows up is like yes. Uh, isn't that, Take me there. isn't that the best feeling? Like when, it you, is. when the big firework goes off and you feel it in your chest.
0: You're Absolutely. Like, you're like, Wow. And even like you know, with engines and stuff like that, there's things exploding inside of a block and pistons going up and down and you know. Anything, anything with yeah.
1: involving an explosion is just awesome. I wanted to talk about the future of AI. I was like, "Wait, where's the F you
0: mentioned? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when does it go bang? <laughs> oh, it's not going bang. I was so disappointed. Anyway, um, while you're talking about future of AI, I'm going to talk about facial recognition. Of course, uh, in the news right now, Australians um, use facial recognition on a, on a daily basis to open their smartphones. And what's interesting is that you know we have we have been yeah, you know, kind of like boiled like the frog mm. because we've gone from having a code to open our phone. Well, mm. originally when phones came out, it was just like you open it and switch it on and away you go. Yeah. And then you've got to have a code to open it and then you've got to have your electronic thumbprint, your fingerprint to open it. Yeah. And now you just use your facial recognition to open it. You just look at it. And so we are becoming immune to the concept of using all of these kinds of technologies that invade our privacy on a daily basis. Mm. Okay, so now it's come out that Bunnings Good Guys Kmart at the very least and probably a whole lot of other places are using facial recognition every time you walk into their store. And what happens is that it recognises your face and decides whether you're a good guy or a bad guy. Are you somebody who has robbed the store before or not? Are you somebody that they need to take notice of or not? Mm. So this is a little bit scary from a few different perspectives. I mean, from my perspective, I'm like, do I really care? No, because I'm never going to rob the store. My question is was this
1: previously undisclosed and then someone found
0: it out or apparently there's a sign by the door. Uh-huh. Really? I'm going to look next time I go to Bunnings. I never knew. I've never seen it. Uh, apparently 76% of shoppers did not know that the technology was used in Australian stores. I'm actually surprised that there was 24% that did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there you go, there are a lot more people out there that are a A lot more clued up than what I am, it seems. Mm. Okay, so so what's happening is that they're capturing all of this biometric data on a daily basis and they are using it to benefit their business. The question is how far does this actually go and what kind of legislation do we have to control it? Is it even legal? Mm. So you've got three different types of facial recognition that are in use right now. Uh, The most basic is the kind that you use to open your smartphone and that's really um, very basic uh, technology that enables... Your device to recognize one face at a time. Mm. Then you have the the technology that will identify that can pick your face out of a crowd. Okay, very complex technology. So that's unlike like Facebook and stuff. Like if if you did- Facebook has fairly basic because it won't pick you out of a crowd easily, and it will make a lot of mistakes if you are one face in the crowd. At, say, for instance, a concert that is packed with people. Sure, yeah. And so this is where you have a lot of problems with mistakes being made. Mm. Then you have the third level of facial recognition, which doesn't focus so much on identification but looks more at your mood, uh, your sex, your potential behaviour, what you are about to do. Mm. Uh, So basically Uh pre-crime. Pre-crime facial recognition. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Okay. The technology that we are creating
1: these days. So it can see someone walking into the store and it's like this person's about it's to coming in with intent. all this they're stuff. Come,
0: they're walking into the store with intent. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, and, of course, that kind of technology is still in its infancy, but when you come across electronic technology that's in its infancy, all that means is that it won't be in its infancy next year. mm. You know, we used to say, oh, this is technology in its infancy. We will see it in 20 years' time. These days, we will see it in one year's time. Mm. Uh, and so, the challenge with this, of course, with the mood one, is that they are having challenges with being able to detect uh, mood and potential behavior with darker skinned people than lighter skinned people mm. and with women. Mm. So, a computer can't figure out a woman's movie. yeah wow <laughs> tell us something <laughs> we don't know else. <laughs> No, else no, no, no i should need to be careful what i say right here <laughs> uh, but yeah i can but guys i mean we're fairly simple creatures in fact we are very simple creatures it's not hard to figure out i'm sure out. you could manipulate guys. it though
1: you could have intent to rob a store but you could just walk in blase and smiling and trick the ai well you
0: can trick you know, lie detectors and those kind of things. So yeah. it's never probably going to be better oh, than the lie, lie detector. Lie detectors are trash. They're like, they rarely
1: get things right. But anyways. Anyway,
0: uh, back last year, of course, the New York-based Clearview AI scraped all of Australia's biometric information from the internet and uh, disclosed it through a facial recognition tool. So they basically grabbed everybody's face off the internet, whether it was on social media or wherever it popped up, to create a facial recognition tool for the whole of Australia. And, of course, that was all done without our consent. Wow, you're in a database, Lyle, and so am I. Everybody is in a database. All right, we need to talk about other stories. So moving on from there, Uh, but this is an interesting story, particularly in the context of Revelation 13 and the whole mm. world being coerced, being forced into certain forms of worship. We have the technology to do Revelation 13 that we didn't have before. Uh, Catholic bishops in Spain want the Vatican to consider proposals on optional celibacy mm. and the ordination of women and married men. Mm. So this is a pretty radical move, particularly for Spain, which is traditionally pretty conservative as far as their bishops go. Yeah, Uh, This is the Spanish Episcopal Conference, uh, a body that represents about 70 Catholic dioceses have been discussing this during a special meeting. And uh, this comes after three months of consultation with around about 215,000 lay people, priests, bishops, etc. They plan to present this document to the Vatican in 2023, and it also calls for a need for a greater care with for those with an alternative sexual orientation. So I find this interesting from a number of different perspectives. First of all, it's about time they had this discussion about celibacy of the priesthood. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many years ago was it now that our royal commission here in Australia finger pointed this along with confession as being two of the greatest things that were causing Catholic priests to be, to have such a higher level of abuse? I think it was like 20 times higher than the Anglican church mm. of children. Enforced celibacy, which creates an unnatural environment, mm. uh, combined with the confessional, which is the world's greatest grooming tool ever created. Mm. Put those two together and you've got a recipe for disaster. So it's time they had this particular conversation and uh, it's a time they started ordaining priests who can be married or are are already married. Mm. The question that goes along with that, of course, which they've also raised, is the ordination of women and greater care for those with an alternative sexual orientation. So this is going to be interesting to follow and see mm. where it goes. There are other churches such as ours and the Baptist Church having these kinds of discussions yep. right now. So stay tuned. Stay stay watching this particular spot right here for very interesting news coming up in the very near future, I am sure, as this discussion progresses.
2: You're listening to The Breakfast Joe podcast on
0: Faith FM, positively different. Let's
1: have another clue for the quiz, guys. Sorry for the confusion on the the previous quiz question. It was the last verse of the Old Testament, not the last verse of the Bible. But I'm sure most of you guys are getting it correct. Now, our next clue: Jesus said, is, "Sorry, Jesus said to let him who is without sin cast the first stone." Oh, oh I just gave away the answer to.
2: The clue. I, so, I
0: <laughs> having having a great time with the quiz this morning, Lawson. Man, okay. Let so me. This, uh, is, this is what happens <laughs> when. See what you don't, what you all don't know, is that during the song break, when we had about thirty seconds left to go, I engaged Lawson in a really deep conversation <laughs> on a on a deep subject, and his mind is still there. <laughs> like okay let's come back to the okay the okay now. you know what we're gonna skip that question
1: we're gonna to go, go to, to another one. one and then we'll we'll figure it out so that was supposed to be jesus said let him who is without sin cast the first what uh but unfortunately i gave away the answer all right here is our clue. Here is our our question. Jesus puts what substance on a blind man's eyes to make him see? 0491 064 669, if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win. A thousand shall fall. And know Hal Hitler, amazing biographies of people doing amazing things, standing up for their faith during World War II. But again, that question was, Jesus put... Jesus puts what substance on a blind man's eyes to make him see? If you know the answer to that one, 0491 064 669.
0: Okay, so in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, well, verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, God who at different times and in different places spoken time past by his fathers to the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, by whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also... He made the worlds and joining us on the phone this morning to talk about the uh, solar system and the planets, the worlds that have been created is Dr. Mark Harwood from Creation Ministries. Uh, Dr. Harwood, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, thank you, Lyle. It's good to be on.
0: Now, we're talking about planets and the solar system in relationship to creation today. Sure. Where are we going to start this discussion? I'm really interested in, in what you're going to be able to share with us today.
2: Well, Lyle, about a week ago on the news, there was a report of a group meeting in Catherine in the Northern Territory, gathering together with uh, people from NASA to observe the planet Pluto passing in front of a star. It's called an occultation. And the reason they wanted to observe it was they wanted to look at the star's light passing through the atmosphere around Pluto. They want to understand how Pluto came to be. There's this fundamental question we all have, you know, how did we get here? How did we come to be? Of course, the Bible tells us that, doesn't it, in the opening chapters of Genesis. But what's really interesting about this is that Pluto shouldn't have an atmosphere. It was discovered back in about 1988 and it was very perplexing because the surface is so cold that what little gas that there might be uh, in an atmosphere of of Pluto should have frozen and fallen to the ground. Uh, Not only that, calculations show that that uh, the amount of light from the sun, although weak, should be energizing the atoms so that they should escape. In fact, when the New Horizons uh, space probe went past Pluto back in, I think it was 2015, they measured that Pluto was uh, uh, losing nitrogen from its atmosphere at the rate of 500 tons every hour, mm. which is amazing. So their only conclusion was, wow, the atmospheric loss must be thousands of times less rapid than predicted. You see, they believe that Pluto's been around for thousands of millions of years. But if that was true, how come it's still got an atmosphere? But of course, if the Bible's time scales are true and they only are in the order of thousands of years, then it makes perfect sense that Pluto still has an atmosphere. And the thing I like about these uh, scientific discoveries and measurements and so on is that they all point the truth of God's word in those opening chapters of the book of Genesis. And Christians can have complete confidence that what the Bible says is actually true right from the beginning.
0: Mm, mm, Absolutely. And, you know, whenever scientists get together to study something like this, And they come with all of their preconceived ideas. I think we as Christians can sit back with confidence knowing that, yes, they will come up with observations and they will come up with evidence, and every single time that evidence is going to point to a creator God.
2: Absolutely, and it does every time. In fact, when the New Horizons space probe went past Pluto, it made some remarkable discoveries about the moons that orbit Pluto. And uh, some of those moons are spinning very, very fast. Some actually spin the wrong way. Uh, which sort of plays with uh, with your mind when you think about the the secular model for how our solar system formed, which is this big swirling cloud of dust and gas and the planets all condense out of it. If that was true, everything should be spinning the same way. But uh, some of the moons don't. But one little moon called Hydra spins around once every 10 hours. So it's going around at a phenomenal speed. The problem with that is that when a moon orbits a planet, because of the gravitational field, there's a kind of braking effect, constantly slowing down. And uh, you know, it shouldn't be spinning once every ten hours if it's been there for hundreds of millions of years. Once again, it all points to a recent creation. Yes. Yeah, so
0: do but, we have you know, any? Do we have any idea if it, if it was hundreds of millions of years old? Do we have any idea how fast it should have been spinning way back then? I mean, it, oh, it seems well, to me that it would be I, spinning I guess, at a speed where it would actually just spin itself apart and
2: completely disintegrate. Absolutely, absolutely. It would have been spinning so fast it would have self, uh, self-destroyed. Yeah, no way. Um, even though they are just solid sort of rocky little lumps, you couldn't – there's a limit to how fast you could spin. Yeah, there's a um, limit
0: to anything how fast you can spin it.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, quite, quite. So once again, as you observed, the evidence all points to – the existence of a creator God, and it's just consistent with what we read about uh, in the the Bible in those opening chapters. And there was another fun one that came up a few years back. Um, Astronomers discovered another group of 12 moons orbiting Jupiter, and that brings the total number of moons orbiting Jupiter now to about 79. But what was interesting about this group was that there was one of them that was going the opposite direction to all the others. And uh, the astronomers were really perplexed, Uh, you know, they said, look, head-on collisions um, are going to be inevitable and they will quickly break apart the moons and grind them down to dust. So, here we're observing this moon flying upstream as it were, Um, it's still there, but if it was hundreds of billions of years old, then how come? (laughs) You'd, You'd think it would have collided with the others long since. That's another bit of evidence that says Jupiter's moons can't have been there for billions of years. It's and quite, you know,
0: we quite, quite remarkable to think of a planet with seventy-nine moons. That is definitely yeah, yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? It is, yeah. it is. And yet, if we yeah. had seventy-nine moons circulating around Australia, sorry, around the, our world, <clears> around planet <throat> Earth, it would we would not have the tidal system that we have, which that, makes our absolutely. world habitable.
2: That's right. That's right. And it's quite remarkable that Earth has only one moon. So all the models um, for the origin of the moon say, well, there should be more than one. How come we've only got one? Mm. (laughs) But once again, we see God's handiwork. You know, what's interesting too, Vile, is that astronomers are now finding planets orbiting other stars. And these are called exoplanets. Exo for being outside of our solar system. But what they're finding there is um, absolutely bewildering because they thought that our solar system must be a standard, normal, or garden kind of solar system, right? Um, particularly if it just happened randomly, then it must have happened like that in lots of other cases. But what they're finding is that the planets orbiting other stars are nothing like the planets, uh, the groupings that we've got in our solar system. And uh, in fact, to the point where one astronomer said, we are now beginning to understand that nature seems to overwhelmingly prefer systems quite unlike our own so our solar system is in some sense a bit of a freak and not the most typical kind of system that nature cooks up yeah yeah, it is isn't it we see the uniqueness of god's creativity in designing a solar system that's just ideally suited for our planet Mm. you know they launched the uh, James Webb Telescope uh, earlier this year. It actually, it launched on Christmas Day last year and uh, it will be returning its first observations in a matter of a few weeks. And uh, people are, of course, very excited about this. It's an amazing um, uh, the device. It's an extraordinary complex satellite. But one of the reasons they wanted to put the James Webb up was to answer the question about why is the solar system so different from everything else? And they've said, uh, you know, and they admit, um, let me just, I'll just read this little section. It says, the continual discovery of new and unusual planetary systems had made scientists rethink their ideas about and theories about how planets are formed. Researchers still do not know the details of how a cloud of dust and gas could collapse to form stars or why most stars form in groups or exactly how planetary systems form. So that's a very sort of gentle admission. They haven't actually got a clue. Um, and, you know, the reason they haven't, I'm not trying to make fun of scientists here, just in case people are wondering, um, because I am one. Mm. But the reason they find it so perplexing is that they start with the wrong assumption. They start with the belief that we um, that we have to find naturalistic explanations for how the universe came to be which is the equivalent of saying, in effect, there is no God. Mm -hmm. So we can't appeal to a supernatural explanation, like we read in Genesis where God created the sun, moon, and stars on the fourth day of creation. So because they start from what is essentially an atheistic position, they come up with um, explanations or attempted explanations which just don't fit what they are observing. But, you know, when you start with what the Bible says is the truth, Everything that you see makes sense and it all points to affirming the truth and authority of the word of God. Mm. Christians really do have a very strong, solid place on which to stand, and that is the truth of the word.
0: Yeah, I was just you know, and one of the things that jumps out to me when it comes to the Bible and and this is one of the reasons why I started with this passage from Hebrews that where it speaks about and he created the world's plural and it says this a couple of times in Hebrews. In my mind, back in the days when the New Testament was being written, people would have looked up into the sky and they would have seen bright, twinkly things and said, those are stars. Yeah. Without the assumption, yeah. you know, how would you how would you say, okay, that one's a star, but that one over there, that's actually a world, that's a planet. Um, and yet the Bible speaks about it so long ago, long before we had telescopes and could say, okay, these ones are planets and these ones are stars. And it's only been in very recent times that we've found these These are exoplanets that are not within our solar system.
2: That's right, that's right. And, of course, as you rightly point out, from the vantage point of our Earth, the planets do look like stars, but with observation, of course, people realise, wait a minute, these seem to move relative to all the others, which is where the word planet comes from, actually. Mm. It really means a wandering star. Um, But when you look at what um, the Bible says in Genesis, uh, it doesn't actually specifically mention planets, but it just says the sun, moon, and stars because that's what they would have looked like. Yes, yeah, that's right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, it's remarkable. You see the the handiwork of the Creator God everywhere we look through our solar system um, and uh, in the planets that are orbiting other stars as well. And it all points to God's uh, his, his creativity. You know, the amazing thing is, and uh, I I just love this. You look at Planets like Mercury and Venus, they're hot and sterile. Mars is a, a toxic wasteland and, and you, then you further out you go, they're totally inhospitable. But in between Venus and Mars lies our home, this amazing blue jewel called Earth and it's been blessed with, with water, with plant life, with uh, creatures and animal life in almost every nook and cranny. And it's got the right The right magnetic field, uh, the right solar energy reaches us. The right minerals in our continents, the right Uh, atmosphere—it's got the right carbon and oxygen and water and nitrogen cycles. And it's got a moon, as we just mentioned. That it's the right distance for the tides and for oxygenating coastal waters. It's got the the moon's got the right density and orbit. You know, everything is just right. And often our planet is called the Goldilocks planet uh, because. Everything is just right. That's, and that's you would
0: think, Doctor Howard, you would yeah. think that for if you know, if for evolution to take place, you would have to have billions and billions of planets that were just right to create enough chances for life to accidentally happen. I mean, the, the, the chances of that are beyond the chances of reality, but even still you would expect that yeah. you would look out into the universe and it's like every solar system out there has a Goldilocks planet. You would have to have that for life to originate somewhere.
2: Exactly, which is why they're constantly searching for Earth-like planets in other groups of planets orbiting other stars. But you know what? They've not found one. And uh, mind you... Um, you could say that, oh, well, that's because we haven't sort of looked at them all yet, of course. But they've discovered some 5,000 planets now that uh, are orbiting other stars uh, that have been confirmed There's more than that, uh, and they continually are finding more. And yet, out of a sample of 5,000, there's nothing that is like our planet Earth. Mm. But, uh, you know, it says in uh, Isaiah, it says, Isaiah forty five eighteen. it says, For this is what the Lord says, He who created the heavens, He is God. He who fashioned and made the earth, He founded it. He did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. And no wonder that this earth on which we live is ideally suited as a home for man. And it just uh, points once again to the, the wonderful graciousness and goodness of our Creator God who made a place where we could all live and thrive and give him honour and glory.
0: Dr. Mark Harwood, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning. Before you go, very quickly, tell us how is the best way to interact with uh, Creation Ministries.
2: I recommend your listeners get onto creation.com, a fabulous website which is an absolute goldmine of information to do with uh, not only science but also the theology and implications of the Creation account in Genesis, particularly the Gospel Connection. The reason why Jesus came, of course, was because Adam brought death into the world, which was created perfectly without death and suffering. So creation.com is the place to go. And uh, there are lots and lots of resources there that people can get a hold of. Fantastic. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.